Let's check in with Joseph Lindsley in Ukraine. Joe, I was reading about uh, Putin's annual speech yesterday, and he warned that if NATO countries send their own troops to help Ukraine fend off Russia's invasion, it could lead to a nuclear conflict. And I wasn't as frightened as I would have been had we not uh, talked about his threats uh, so many times here and how Putin likes to do this. He just likes to rattle the cage, doesn't he? Indeed, Bob. Hello from Kiev. And, you know, we always hear uh, with reference to Putin, you know, the term red lines, you know, his, his so-called red lines. And I think as Ukrainians have shown these past two years, they've crossed many of those red lines. And the only way to win, in fact, is to cross the red lines, to call him on his bluff. Uh, just as, you know, one of the most extraordinary red lines that was crossed was when Ukraine hit the headquarters of the Black Sea Naval Fleet in Sevastopol, the very headquarters uh, with no Russian response for months afterward. And the, I think the reason why Putin was making, uh, referred to the idea of NATO troops coming here, I mean, it's not even a remote possibility, let alone Ukrainian membership in NATO. I mean, if you, if you look at everything NATO leaders have said, they have no desire to welcome Ukraine into NATO. Uh, President Macron of France, uh, sort of strangely, uh, and there's dispute, you know, people have different opinions on, on what his intention was here, but he said a few days ago, that Russia must be defeated uh, because because of their, their tyrannical hell they're trying to unleash upon the world. Uh, and he said, even if it requires sending French troops uh, in, in, into Ukraine. And so, so now some people say good on Macron for you know for for for, for being strong, uh, for trying to make Putin nervous. Uh, but others say, well, that those comments are sort of unnecessary. You know, France instead of talking a big tough game. Why not just send more? Why not just send, you know, serious ammunition to Ukraine? Uh, and, and Ukrainians say, you know, we, they don't want uh, NATO troops to come in here. Uh, they just need the weapons and the tools. And, and so it's sort of in that context, it's, his remarks are a bit strange. Nevertheless, France, you know, has, uh, unlike the United States, uh, both France and the United Kingdom have sent long range weapons. Uh, the, the Storm Shadow missiles, which are produced, it's a joint French British uh, project. Uh, so those very powerful missiles have been sent. Uh, so France has done some good things. And they're also they've pledged a uh, hundred, at least a hundred of their uh, sort of killer drones. Uh, they plan to be here sometime in the summer. Uh, so not especially quick. Uh, but so I so Putin was responding to that. But there really there is no uh, sense that there would be NATO soldiers here whatsoever. There's very, very little appetite for that. And meanwhile, because of Putin's, you know, P- Putin has tried to convince people that he, uh, one of the reasons why he launched the war on Ukraine was because of this fear of NATO expansion. And, and somehow this gets sort of put into the narrative that NATO is a, an enterprise that wants to expand. Uh, NATO very reluctantly re- re- accepts new members. You have, you know, for, for more than 15 years, you've had countries desperately wanting to get in that club so that they don't get invaded the way that Ukraine has been. And the most recent, well, the, the newest NATO member, uh, will soon be uh, the Kingdom of Sweden. Uh, the Hungary uh, was the last NATO member to hold out. They were uh, Viktor Orban and his regime were refusing to let the Swedes enter NATO. Uh, the Parliament in Budapest uh, just a few days ago voted to indeed uh, accept Sweden as a member. Uh, this is pretty remarkable because Sweden has been neutral since the late uh, late 18th century, uh, even in World War II. Uh, the Swedes have been neutral. And, and now they're, they're so afraid, you know, they have uh, both nautical and territorial borders uh, w- with Russia 
and they're so uh, uh, afraid of the threat that that, that they're they're going to be in NATO now. And so it's actually Putin's uh, actions have actually, you could say, are making NATO more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, this email will interest you, uh, Joe. It's from John, who writes, I'm a Canadian follower. I post Joseph's YouTube pieces on Facebook, and I get little or no response. But if I write a funny piece about snow shoveling, all my friends like it or comment. I wish he was on the radio here in Canada. Is there any way to increase his exposure? As I hope uh, if people who are jaded and disinterested in Ukraine hear what he says, they will change their attitude. In my view, people should see that success for Ukraine is crucial for us in the West as well. Well, of course, uh, people listen to us here. Um, on this, on online, on the app, uh, on their computer, all over the world. But uh, Joe, do you think about ways to uh, widen your audience? Indeed, and thanks, John, uh, for for that note. Uh, yeah, we work on that all the time. We have a great team of volunteers here in Ukraine, uh, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify uh, and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but I think as a lot of sort of you know, resources from Ukraine have seen, especially on YouTube. Uh, you know, I was banned from YouTube inexplicably for, for a month uh, a year ago. Uh, I, I speak with other, you know, people here in Ukraine who uh, they feel that their their channels are throttled a little bit. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a there's a steadily growing audience, but uh, uh, sometimes the growth is pretty slow. So, I, I you know, there is, and you, you have to be, you know, if you say too much about the war or destruction, uh, you know that you could be sort of censored. Uh, I think ironically, maybe not ironically, but uh, X or Twitter, um, you know, under Elon Musk, you know, even though he's not always a fan of Ukraine, but he's a fan of free speech. And Twitter is a place where you can, you can continue to speak uh, pretty freely. But uh, yeah, no, this, 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 it is a, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get, uh, to get stories out there. And this is, uh, you know, what Ukrainians feel, feel deeply. I mean, even, you know, as I, I was walking uh, uh, different places around Kiev today and on the TVs, you see uh, on international media, the wall to wall coverage of the funeral of Navalny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, finally, Russian people are taking to the, to the streets. Uh, you know, two years of, of genocidal war, not enough to get them to take to the streets, but the funeral of one Russian. And and, uh, you know, you, this is a free country. So, you know, the, you, you see, you know, you see this stuff on TV here, but it, it, it's sort of crushing to people. They, you know, why why is the world so focused on this when there's funerals every single day? Uh, people who are willing uh, to to risk everything for freedom uh, to stand up to 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 Putin and the Russian regime, uh, and so it is. Yeah, so again, always grateful for the WGN audience to be able to share these reports uh, uh, every day, and it's there. There is, as always, it's a mixture of you know, of tragedy and hope. And it's all, you know, always somewhere in between on that spectrum. I, I was talking with a friend uh, at the, who's at, fighting at the front yesterday, and he said, uh, he wrote to me, uh, I don't want to complain, but I don't know if I will live long. Uh, you know, that's, this is the heavy stuff that you face every single day here. And at the same time, uh, uh, you know, as we see, we have, uh, there, there's rumors today that yet another Russian jet, uh, we can't confirm anything yet, but maybe it was shot down. But now, you know, it's 13 Russian jets in 11 days, uh, four of Russia's most powerful sort of surveillance planes that are used to coordinate attacks. Uh, they have 24 of those, and four of them uh, have been shot down since New Year's. And, and, and in, you know, in light of this big news, 
you know, that's not a major headline. Instead, if you look at, say, British media, the headline is uh, Russia's talking about, uh, they were quiet about this for many weeks, but they're talking about the, uh, the, the Russian plane that was shot down and the, the Kremlin said contained more than 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war. So they, 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 this story seems to sort of crop up uh, whenever it's necessary to cover good Ukrainian news. There's zero evidence. I mean, you look at the original photos of the crash site, you don't see any bodies. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's really scant evidence that there were 65 Ukrainian POWs uh, on that plane. Uh, and even if there were, that would be a Russian war crime to have put them in that position. Uh, but but it seems, it, by all accounts, it seems like pretty much a fake story. And yet that is the leading headline about Ukraine, uh, rather than, oh, Ukrainians are, shoot, you know, not only have they been uh, destroying a number of Russian ships, but, you know, 13 jets in 11 days. Uh, why is that not the headline? And and this so this is it's tough to get this truth out there. It certainly is a real David versus Goliath war. And with the weekend upon us, you have some free time. I would encourage anyone to uh, check out our website, the Surat Show page at WGNRadio.com. And you'll find Joseph's reports there and also links to his sites. You can watch videos, share and spread the word. And uh, Joseph, I hope you have a good weekend and we'll talk to you Monday. Bob, until Monday. Thank you.